0: first reading this evening is from Deuteronomy chapter 29 and the first 15 verses. And this is a call for commitment to God and it's Moses' third address about renewal of the covenant. These are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in Moab. In addition to the covenant he had made with them at Horeb, Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, "'Your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh, "'to all his officials and to all his land. "'With your own eyes you saw those great trials, "'those miraculous signs and great wonders. "'But to this day the Lord has not given you a mind "'that understands or eyes that see or ears that hear. "'During the forty years that I led you through the desert,' Your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. When you reached this place, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out to fight against us, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. All of you are standing today in the presence of the Lord your God, your leaders and chief men, your elders and officials and all the other men of Israel, together with your children and your wives and the aliens living in your camps, who chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God, a covenant the Lord is making with you this day and sealing with an oath to confirm you this day as his people, that he may be your God as he promised you and as he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I am making this covenant with its oath not only with you who are standing here with us today in the presence of the Lord our God, but also with those who are not here today.
1: So, we're continuing in Deuteronomy 29 from verse 16. You yourselves know how we lived in Egypt and how we passed through the centuries on the way here. You saw among them their detestable images and idols of wood and stone, of silver and gold. Make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose hearts turn away from the Lord, our God, to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. When such a person hears the words of this oath, he invokes a blessing on himself and therefore thinks, I will be safe, even though I persist in going my own way. This will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. The Lord will never be willing to forgive him. His wrath and zeal will burn against that man. All the curses written in this book will fall upon him, and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. The Lord will single him out from all the tribes of Israel for disaster, according to all the curses of the covenant written in this book of the law. Your children who follow you in later generations and foreigners who come from distant lands will see the calamities that have fallen on the land and the diseases with which the Lord has afflicted it. The whole land will be a burning waste of salt and sulphur. Nothing planted, nothing sprouting, no vegetation growing on it. It will be like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Admar and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in fierce anger. All the nations will ask... Why has the Lord done this to this land? Why the fierce burning anger? And the answer will be, it is because this people abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, the covenant he made with them when he brought them out of Egypt. They went off and worshipped other gods and bowed bound to them, gods they did not know, gods he had not given them. Therefore the Lord's anger burned against this land so that he brought on it all the curses written in this book. In furious anger and in great wrath, the Lord uprooted them from their land and thrust them into another land, as it is now. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law.
2: I would say that I am so pleased to be here. Um, sharing this journey through your uh, discovery of the covenants and the contracts and the promises between God and his people. Tim has asked me to speak to you about Deuteronomy, and I'm sure many of you, if you were asked to speak about Deuteronomy, you'd help, and I did that help thing. But um, it was a daunting task, but I, I was... On further consideration, I thought about what uh, Deuteronomy was saying to us, all of us, uh, today. Some of us here tonight have heard many times that story of the young scribe who asked Jesus uh, about the commandments, and which, in his opinion, was the most important. And Jesus said, as one of the answers to that, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We remember that story, all of us. Well, that is so familiar to us that we are sometimes in danger of missing that main uh, message for the people of that time. And the main message that uh, Jesus, I think, was trying to say was, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your strength. And that comes from Deuteronomy. And very often, the passages that we hear in the New Testament, as we read through the New Testament, many of those very familiar passages come from deuteronomy so it is a it's a major work uh, often sort of if in a sense put in the background these words are from deuteronomy and uh, and for what the jewish people came to know as a shema, the shema. It's a form of words that we might say is a confession of faith. And they, the people used to use those words, those words, O oh, hero is it? the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God. They would spend their day, they would start their day by saying that. And later on in Deuteronomy, it says, write, do you remember that bit where they say, write it on your doorposts. Put it on on this. Tell your children all about it. This is about saying who the Lord your God is. It's about remembering who this person, this, this God of yours is something special, somebody you need to remember in all that you do. Recite these words every day and instruct your children and pass it on from generation to generation to generation. And these words and the commitment to them go further than we might imagine today. They were central to the idea that there is only one God. Only one God. And that at that time, that was a rather unique idea. Um, uh, and one that contradicted the, fam- the favoured understanding of many gods. People had in that time an idea that they would have particular interests, they would have particular things that they wanted to uh, benefit from. They would either have, they would either be farmers or they would be uh, industrialists, well, would they? But they would be manufacturers, they would be tradesmen, they would be people with particular interests. And they would worship the god. Who had those particular interests on their mind? And there is this one God, this one God who commands all of those things. Uh, These gods with a particular interest, whose actual favor could be sought. You could actually find ways of uh, gaining favor from these gods with a small g. You could find ways of um, offering bribes and flattering them in certain ways. You could pay tributes to them in certain ways, and they would benefit your your trade or your the way of life that you led or whatever. But no, this is one God, one God who is over all, who has certain rules and regulations, certain things, certain ways that you need to behave and if you follow those, then he will be with you all the time. He is not a God who changes his mind. He is not a God who favours you because you favour him. He is a God who is consistent. The love of God is not to be confined to... uh, the worship of God. This is, these are the words that come from a lot of what we hear. It's, it's a part of what we do. It's a part of what we are. The heart does not refer just to our feelings and our emotions. The Israelites at that time believed that the heart was the reasoning part of our, our makeup. The heart was our thoughts. The heart was where we came from. And so that if we worship the God with all our heart, we were worshipping the God with all our mind, with all that we were, that all that we uh, thought about. And so every thought, which is the heart, every action, which is the people we are, and every act, every part of devotion, which is the soul, which is the part of us that takes us to the God, is rooted in the love of God. So the people of Israel at that time were quite unique in that they called to recognize only one God and uh, that their God asks for an obedience. He asks to be for us, his people, to be obedient, and he has certain uh, requirements of us, so that we uh, can be obedient to him, and that he can then uh, we can then work within the framework of uh, what he has set for us. These are not negotiable. These form part of a contract. These are a covenant between us and our Lord God. In another context, I remember, I was, uh, many of you, uh, I'm sure, were at Sunday school about the same time as I was at Sunday school, and Sunday school in those days was very much a part of bonk, bonk, bonk. There are laws for this and laws for that. And uh, I, I remember uh, my Sunday school teacher saying to me, God is not only for Sundays. And I'd say, yes, and I'd nod my head. Um, it was only much later that I saw the truth of what my Sunday school was saying. God is not only for Sundays. God is a commitment uh, for all of our lives. And it goes beyond what we think. It actually goes into who we are. The title of the book of Deuteronomy comes from two Greek words. And I'm not going to... well. Deuteros nomos, actually. But I don't think that means very much to any of us. But the fact is that it means the second law. Basically, what it is, is a a repetition. It's it's really saying, here we are. You have a law with your God. I'm going to now repeat this because you are at a special moment. You are at a special time. Uh, This is a time when you are making a leap of faith into a new future. But I need to tell you that your commitment needs to be as much to me as mine is to you. If you like, uh, it's a reminder of the law of Moses. Um, It's... A reminder of what has already been promised. Uh, But it's also an expansion of that. Because um, in the present circumstances, and the circumstances of Deuteronomy are, uh, as many of you will know, is that Moses is standing across the Jordan. There's the Jordan in front of him. And there's the promised land over there. Now, poor old Moses will not ever see that. Only those who are descended from him will see that. Only those he has commissioned will see that. And only the next generation will see that. But there is the promised land in front. And Moses is very keen to ensure that those who are moving on into this new land are committed to the laws that the God has given us. So they are soon to go in uh, to the promised land. So this book is really a retelling of the journey. And we had some of that in those uh, readings, where we we heard about the history and we heard about um, the commitment, the new commitment. So it's a summary of the past 40 years. The 40 years from slavery and injustice to the promise of life in all its fullness. It's a story about a group of people who are condemned to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because they're not able to commit to and to trust uh, the God who has brought them out of slavery. You remember that time when they said, no, I don't think we want to do this. We're a little bit worried about what might happen. So God said, well, okay, I'll give you 40 years to think about it. And after those 40 years that they had to think about it and the new generation came on, you've got to remember that most of these people who Moses is now uh, giving this message to were not of the generation who saw those original times. These are new people. These are people who have been told about the promises and we spoke about that earlier, about writing on your doorposts and doing all of this stuff Putting forward, like we do as Christian people now, we tell our children about the promises that God has made to us. These are a new generation. They need to make these promises afresh. They need to know what God is doing for them. It is about the blessings and the hardships of a people who are sometimes celebrating and sometimes complaining. And we read that, don't we? that sometimes the Jewish people, the Israel, Israel people of Israel are celebrating the Lord their God is a wonderful God. And then the next minute, why has he let us down? What has he done for us? What, why are we worried about this? There is, a, there is a, 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 a dynamic between celebrating and complaining. And these people are now about to enter the land that God has promised them. If they had trusted God sooner, they might already have been settled in this land. Who knows? But Moses knows, because of his close relationship with these people for those 40 years, for a generation, 40 years is a generation, that they need a reminder of what their Lord God will provide. And they need, too, a reminder of their part in this process. It's about recognising that we are blessed and we are not entitled. All we have is given by God. Israel is portray- uh, portrayed in Deuteronomy in that summary, in that, uh, that book that we read, um, Almost as an unfaithful partner in a sort of marriage contract, there was a contract signed and uh, a contract not signed, but a contract delivered, and a contract entered into and uh, this contract was to bind the people into uh, a contract with god and Israel had not been able to keep that contract in fact, it often failed that and needs every encouragement and every reminder to return to that covenant partner and it is in that retelling that Moses hopes to strengthen their faith. So it is the form of a contract and uh, the people at that time were very much a part of this, uh, uh, this, this idea that they had a promise in front of them. So, in our reading today, we hear about the history of the people, of God's commitment. And if we read in verse 1 and 9, which we read, we have the history, uh, a summary of the history. And later on, we hear of the terms, which are both a response to the events that came before and a commitment to the future. With God as king, God is the center of that commitment. Now this seems all very fine, does it not? We nod our heads and we respect the commitment the people of Israel made as they stood on the banks of the Jordan and they looked out to the land that God had promised them and we recognise in that the making of the commitment that they sought with all their hearts with all their minds, with all their souls, to do as the Lord required. Very often today, we don't stand on the banks of the Jordan, but we are often asked to commit ourselves to what the Lord requires, with all our hearts and with all our minds, and with our souls to do as the lord requires and to do that as part of the lord's covenant with us and our covenant with him and i think this is where deuteronomy makes its makes it known to us we have a history we are a people of god we live As part of this covenant, much of what we are here today, most of us here today, have heard about the Lord God through our parents or through our grandparents or through those that we love. People that we... This is a continuing process. This is a covenant that we are... We need to bring to our people. So what of God's people today? How might we respond to a call to the land that God has promised us. Christ's call to the kingdom. Obedience, of course, we must be obedient. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. But, you know, there are other gods. And that's what Moses was trying to say to these people. There are other gods who may take your attention. Moses was keen to protect the people of Israel from those other gods. I wonder if today we worship other gods that do draw us away. Do we, for example, spend more time thinking about our pensions and our investments and what wealth we might leave our children than on their spiritual needs and the spiritual needs of our families and our friends and what the Lord might do in their lives? Do we struggle with issues relating to our standard of life, our financial relationship as a nation with other nations, rather than our view of community, of people working together, rather than through self-interest? And of course we consider the promised land, the kingdom, of course we do. This is the land I have promised you. Well, I've lived in Horsham for actually quite a number of years. Um, Some of you I've known for a long time. I've actually lived in Horsham for 59 years. I had a few moments away, but essentially Kate and I are Horsham people. We have seen our church, the URC church in Horsham, knocked down, Rebuilt. The church that Kate and I were married in was demolished and it's been built up again. We've seen it redesigned. We've seen it do great things. And we've seen it do other things. We have seen this church, this church here, your church, built up, knocked down and rebuilt as it is today. We've seen churches in Horsham, and elsewhere built up differently from the churches they were. Jesus calls us to pray for this new kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He asks us to pray. And this is all about the covenant that we have with God. God is part of what we do. He is there with us as we move forward, as we move forward to try to bring his love to others. The way that we see it, we need to offer it to others. We have a commitment. And we will succeed with God's grace. Consider the journey of this worshipping community as we consider ours in the URC. Who, we ask, was inspirational in building a Christian community in this place? How many of us actually sitting here know who founded this church? You may know them by history. You may know their names by history. But do you know their commitment. Do you know what they felt as they stood before they went and leapt across into the Promised Land? This was a commitment that they gave to us and that we, as churches here in Horsham, you particularly here in Brighton Road, us in URC and all the churches throughout this kingdom, these these are the things that we take forward. These are the things that we have promised. In some places, these uh, histories, these original people will be lost in the midst of time. In others, some of the churches that I have spoken to over recent years, those people who form the churches are actually still there. But their background comes from the, uh, the promises and the covenants that they have heard from others before them. Deuteronomy records a moment in time as God's people prepare for an unknown but promised future. A future that God has promised will bring them blessings. They stand ready to move across the Jordan. They are reminded then of God's promises to them, and they are called to make their own promises to him. This covenant will form the background to God's people's relationship with the world. And in Christ, we do see this reinforced, and we see that revitalized. Hear, O Israel, says Jesus, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And Jesus adds, and love your neighbour as yourself, which I know we all do and we all strive to do. So I guess our message is that may God bless us as we seek in God's name to bring the meanings of these words to our community here in Horsham, to our nation and to our world. And I was struck by the chorus of the hymn that we sang. I can stand on any promise in your world. I can stand on any promise that God has made to us. We are God's people. We have a commitment. We have a covenant. We have an agreement. But we know too that God is commi- consistent with his agreement to us. We have a future. Let's not uh, stand on the edge of the Jordan and not go on.